1: Oh, do you read me? Affirmative, I read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. WBZ, you are Jake Talking, and we're live midnight to five. Our number is 617-254-1030 if you want to get involved. I have a question for you, actually, it's just something for you to think about. Uh, Would you like e-scooters to come to your town? Have you thought about that? Well... Uh, there is a town in Massachusetts, at least one that is uh, uh, experimented with the e-scooters, and the results of this experiment might dictate whether or not your town gets e-scooters. I'm sure your town's looking at Brookline, Massachusetts, to find out how it worked out. And we have Heather Hamilton with us, Brookline Select Board member. I met Heather when she was on with Dan Ray on Nightside, and they had their initial conversation some what three months ago.
0: Gosh, has it been that long? I don't. I don't
1: know. It's been a while. Uh, The e-scooter program has been in effect for some time, and you've learned a lot of things since then. And I met with you a short time after that program, and we we agreed you'd come on, and here you are. Before we get to the e-scooters, though, I'm very interested in your job. I'm curious as to what a select board member does all day. (laughs) What what are your actual functions? I want to drill down on that a little bit. What do you do?
0: Well, I I think it's important to note that most um, elected representatives actually have full-time jobs. Like yourself. Like like me. Um, I work for a civil engineering firm downtown and uh, really love it. It really has helped me to understand um, problem-solving some of these big transportation issues. Um, So... The, that segue goes into select board member what what drew me to it what do I actually do um, well I could tell you where I am every Tuesday night I am in town hall okay
1: from, how, how many hours a week do you have to spend at the select board position
0: uh well we have our our select board meetings every Tuesday evening mm-hmm. roughly'm I'm, I'm in town hall roughly from 5 p.m until. Sometimes as late as midnight. It really depends, you know, on the week. Uh, and then I chair a couple of different committees that meet almost monthly. So that's a number of hours in addition to um, most other select boards in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. They meet every other week. So we're we're very busy. Um, that's why we meet every
1: I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that you don't just work, though, during the meeting. People are con- contacting you with problems all the time, correct?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Most people assume that we're kind of a 24-hour um, constituent service. So we have an email address dedicated to us, uh, which I try to check regularly, uh, but not as regularly as some people would like. Uh, and then my phone number and my address is all public information. Wow. So
1: so what are the pros and cons for you? Why, why do you do it? You don't make a lot of money at it. It's a giant pain. Why do you do it?
0: <laughs> why do I do it? Um, I've always been very interested in civics. I've always been very interested in improving the lives of not only myself, but other people. And I like the big, scary problems. I want to know why things are the way that they are and whether or not we can find ways to to find solutions, to fix problems, to make life a little bit better.
1: Segway time. What were the problems? What what was the situation that made you look into the e-scooter? By the way, did they contact you? Did you contact them? How did that work out? You saw it and you, you looked into it or did they come knocking on your door?
0: They actually came knocking on someone else's door. Cambridge? So Cambridge and Somerville. Bird dropped 100 scooters uh, the summer of 2017, I think. Uh, no, 2018. And they um, they surprised a lot of us in, in the area. And so uh, I had a, uh,
1: How could you do that? I mean, couldn't they be fined for that? Uh, I believe just, that they were. Just dropping your business model onto a community without mm-hmm. asking or getting permission or, or anything? They just blind drop these scooters in there?
0: Well, we forget that that's exactly what Uber and Lyft did. Uh, back in the day, <laughs> um, sometimes technology it outpaces, you know, government. So-, so both
1: both Uber and Lyft probably, and I guess Uber and Lyft were right. We'll just do it and ask for uh, you forgiveness. Know, we'll ask for forgiveness, and they're going to like it so much that we'll pay whatever price it takes because it's, it's a no-brainer. It's going to work. We're just going to do it. Uber and Lyft, they were correct. Not so much on the the e-scooter. What happened uh, with regards to Cambridge? What happened?
0: Oh, I believe that they impounded those scooters, the ones that, you know, weren't taken off by the company themselves. Um, But it did precipitate a a conversation, at least that I had with town staff. What would we do if that happened in Brookline? And that started a conversation about how we felt about welcoming this technology or not welcoming this technology, We met with a couple of our peers in Boston, Cambridge, and Somerville. And when we discovered that nobody else really wanted these devices, I I am a transportation professional by day. I was intrigued to understand more. I definitely saw the potential and understand um, why people might gravitate towards these and how they can make inroads, <laughs> to use that term, uh, to undo some of the damage that I believe has been caused by rideshare uh, Ride services. Rideshares,
1: a real bee in your bonnet, and we're gonna get to that. So I suppose you figured, you look around, the, the population's increasing exponentially, there's a finite amount of room on the on the roadways, something's gotta give, and you think, well, maybe this is an option, maybe this will be part of the solution, am I, am I right?
0: That's my belief, yes, that it can be part of the solution. Okay. And another
1: thing that precipitated the going ahead with the experiment is rideshare. You wanted to do something to replace rideshare because rideshare is a real problem. And I didn't realize it was. Can you you, uh, take me to school on why rideshare is a problem in a community like yours? Brookline.
0: Um... I believe that it is a problem because it has made it so convenient for people who would otherwise use public transportation to get into a car. Um, when surveyed, most rideshare people will say, and I, I, I'm I'm basing this off of a, a study that I read, about 60% of respondents said that they would have used public transportation. So. Um, ca- there have been calculations as to how much revenue is being lost by the T for every single rideshare trip. Uh, And the lost revenue is in uh, the league of like $24 million versus the annual revenue that we're collecting through rideshare, which is under $4 million. Doesn't
1: the condition of the MBTA have to be partly to blame for that? If 60% of respondents say, yeah, uh, it's easy for me to take Uber than the T. Isn't that partly the fault of the MBT? I know that I myself might have to start taking Uber because the, the line that I use, I'll tell you, it's the E line. It has slow orders they, for, for a stretch of it, go 10 miles per hour. And I've said this before. I told you about it beforehand. I try to get home. And way before I get home, get to Brigham Circle. They say, everybody off. Got to wait for the next train. I looked into why. Well, we're going so slow that we can't keep up our schedule, so we're just going back. So for me, it's kind of almost Uber time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you should, whatever influence you have, try to make the, the MBTA better. I know that's a
0: We absolutely have, have time and time again as a society not invested adequately in our public transportation. And the invention of rideshare really has eroded a lot of the um the progress that we had made ever since like two thousand eight when gas prices, you know, skyrocketed and there was a push to really invest in public uh, transportation So right here un-
1: und- undermined the motivation and the inertia towards fixing the T.
0: Public transportation has traditionally been, and not necessarily the case in Massachusetts, but traditionally public transportation is associated with lower socioeconomic people. And so what I saw from 2000 to like 2015 was a whole generation of people that were of higher socioeconomic means using choosing public transportation, living lives car-free and demanding more public transportation. And I really hoped that that was going to move the needle. And then the introduction of Rideshare happened. And all of those people who had chosen to live car-free lives, and they still do, but now they're just using someone else's car.
1: That's eye-opening. So you met with one or two companies. And what kind of conversations did you have with them? Did you... Who was the boss of those meetings? Were they kind of heavy-handed or... Were, were you the boss
0: I like to think that I'm the boss um they were very eager yeah
1: uh, they had something you wanted which was Brookline I mean you had something they wanted which was your town a market yeah
0: uh yeah so we we looked at the structure we ended up going with a license uh, program so that it could be you know just with it within the select board's purview uh, we could do it for a very discreet Period of time in this case about seven months. So we we drafted a pilot agreement and um, really started what I think was pretty modest with about a hundred scooters a piece per company. We started with Bird and Lime. Uh, they applied and we considered their application and they, we granted them the license. And then about halfway into the pilot program, Spin joined. Uh, they also actually are participating in the other pilot program going on in Massachusetts for e-scooters, which is up in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, I've been watching that program.
1: The difference between theirs and yours is they went with only Spin, correct? That is correct. They went with one company. What are the pros and cons of one versus three?
0: I would say uh, having better control over um, when everything gets deployed where everything gets deployed um, some accountability with the types of users um, and when users do not adhere to the rules the other thing to, that is important to note is that salem is using a third company or a third party to manage their program so that company is completely dedicated to scooter oper like day-to-day operations with just one scooter company. Is that
1: uh, that a model that you might adopt in Brookline?
0: I have to say I see see a lot of potential with that model. Um, Trying to hold three companies responsible on a day-to-day level without that kind of dedicated third-party operator is difficult with current staff.
1: Interesting. Now... Uh, like, what's the way the best way to put this? I guess, uh, what, what have you learned? What, what would you have done differently? What will you do differently in the future? <laughs> how happy are you with the program?
0: It's been very interesting. It, it's been a humbling experience finding out just how much you think you know and that you don't know as much as you thought you knew. Um, I will say you can't necessarily trust people to exhibit good behavior, so you have to Did put you, in safeguards.
1: I shouldn't have interrupted. Did you think you could trust people to exhibit good behavior? Were you laboring under that misconception?
0: Two things caught my attention when I started to learn more about e-scooters and the companies themselves. One was that because the scooters are electric, they have to be charged, and so they're removed from the public way every night. Now, dockless bike share, for example, is not done with that model. So we don't have dockless bicycles in Brookline. We have the docked blue bikes, but every now and then we'll get one of the dockless bikes that come into Brookline. And then it's very difficult to get it removed because we don't have a contractual relationship with that company. And I believe state law requires the police to first issue a ticket onto the bike then wait three days, come back to see if it's been claimed, and then you can impound it.
1: Can't you just change the rule? If we catch your bike in our town, we're throwing it out?
0: Uh, we, it would take an act of the state legislature oh, to do geez. that. So, All right. yeah. Uh, so it's that's been problematic. So I wanted a contractual relationship with uh, companies so that when we called them and said, get this off of our public way, they would be responsible. So they're taken off every night. And then the other thing, when uh, they showed the app all of the things you have to do in order to log in and then find uh, a device and unlock it and all of the tutorials that that you're told about how to use it, at the end of the ride, when you park...
1: Lucky Land Casino,
0: asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Park it. You have to take a picture to show that you parked it responsibly. And I guess I was a little naive, thinking, oh, this will make sure that nobody parks it, you know, right in the middle of the sidewalk. Uh, turns out, just like there are bad drivers, there are bad scooter users. So we've put in digital corrals to try to correct a lot of that uh, trusted behavior.
1: Have the digital corrals gone into effect yet?
0: Yes. They they went into effect, I believe, uh, almost two weeks ago.
1: Now, the digital corral is a good thing because you can have the digital corral out of public view, and it's less of a usurpation of public lands, and people find the bikes, I mean, find the scooters by way of their app. They can be out back in the alley somewhere, correct?
0: Yeah, so um, when you're trying to find a scooter and you're using the app, it looks like a map. It looks like Google Maps. And then there are little decals that show you know where the scooter is parked. So when you go to park, a scooter and there is a digital corral in that area, it won't allow you to actually park the scooter and end the ride and therefore stop being charged unless you park it in the digital corral. And that's highlighted on the map to show people, you know you have to go over here in order to park the so device. You,
1: so you are penalized now if you just throw the bike off into the lawn in the park by the muddy river or somewhere. You. You can't even you cannot even end the ride. You continue to be charged until you go to a digital corral.
0: So we have s- digital corral's in specific areas. Uh, if it's outside a certain perimeter within that area, then you're still able to park kind of freely, for lack of a better term. I'm hoping that as we look at making this a more permanent program, when other municipalities come online, that we will phase in a lot more digital corrals in the future.
1: What were some of the complaints as the program got underway?
0: The top complaint was sidewalk use. So we encouraged everyone to use the bike lane. We think that that's the most appropriate uh, place for these devices to travel but like any new technology people are experimenting with it they don't necessarily feel confident with it so they felt confident using the sidewalk which is n- not what we wanted so then we just dis- we deployed message boards that said must be 18 must use the uh, the bike lane and must use to ha- use a helmet so i would say out of the like top 3 or 4 complaints sidewalk use not wearing a helmet underage use or suspected underage use, and then parking.
1: So, what about enforcement? You can put up a sandwich board, but people are going to ignore that. Mm-hmm. And I know that police are busy, and they get paid a lot of money—too much money—to be enforcing scooter scooter use on sidewalks. Is there some other method of enforcement that that you have been considering?
0: Well, enforcement and education are really. the the two biggest components of a successful program. So we've been working with our police to make sure that uh, the officers know what the rules are and that when given the opportunity, when they see an infraction occurring, that they actually do something uh, about it. And we've had over 500 interactions with e-scooter users between our police officers to help educate and um, ensure that the scooter users are obeying the the pilot program. I agree
1: with the use of bike lanes because the bike lanes are underutilized. They're already there. And all these scooter folks should should use these. I wish there were a way technologically to automatically find somebody. With GPS, maybe soon it'll be good enough so that they'll know that you're on the sidewalk rather than in the bike lane.
0: The the digital corrals, um, the, the GPS is good within Four feet. I hope within the next wow. three years we can, we can get to more pinpoint accuracy.
1: Uh, Heather, having lived with the program for some months now, what changes do you think you'll make?
0: Mm. I definitely think you need to start with digital parking corrals. Um, allowing people to park freely, I think, does a disservice to the non-users that are in the public way. So I would definitely recommend to any municipality that is thinking about permitting these to start off with designated parking areas.
1: And about education, what methods do you use to educate? And will you change how you educate in any way? Oh, absolutely. As, how will you change how you educate?
0: Uh, and that is one of the toughest things about the government is trying to educate. Uh, we have very limited resources, so trying to get the word out. Um, it is difficult. Uh, we we rely very heavily on the companies at this point. I'm hoping to change that in the future when we have a dedicated revenue stream uh, that we then can use towards putting back into the program to uh, to make improvements and buy improvements. You know, educate people on how we want these used. So I do I do know that Lime does. Uh, educational boot camps or um, they really call it driver's ed on Saturday mornings. They use uh, a driveway of one of our elementary schools and they put up basically an obstacle course and they teach people how to ride responsibly using these devices in a safe, controlled environment.
1: What about liability? I would imagine that the companies themselves uh, are really very exposed in a, Li- to liability because they're, they're inherently a dangerous machine. They're, you're you're a small thing and, and cars are very big mm-hmm. and maybe even more vulnerable than bicycles because they are a little wobbly. The wheels are wobbly. You go over a train track or something and you're a little more exposed. Have you heard anything about the company's problems with uh, being sued and liability? And are you... Are we, or in the towns, on the hook for liability as well? If you participate in the program, like if you knowingly you're using these scooters, you're participating, can you be sued? Uh, I,
0: the town I have I have been informed that we are indemnified through this type of thing. Uh, how how no, so? Uh, Massachusetts uh, indemnifies all of their towns, I think, up to or. or I believe it's, we're indemnified after $100,000. So that's just blanket for almost everything. Um, I'm not an attorney, so I'm just parroting what I have been told. Uh, but the question of liability comes up a lot. And uh, I guess the frustrating point is, uh, the point is well taken. I, I understand what people are getting at. But I have a friend who used to run on the Esplanade until she got mowed down by a bicyclist at, that broke her arm. And she ended up in the ER with a broken arm. She didn't realize it was broken at the time. So she definitely didn't get his contact information. Who's liable in that situation? I mean, liability is a question to be asked, and we should be thoughtful about it. but. We we have situations like that in all modes of transportation, so why hold one mode to a different standard than another? Well,
1: it's just because it might cost the town a lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just bringing it up. Yeah. As as I'll, I will openly say that I like scooters. I'm not a scooter hater. Mm-hmm. It's the business model that needed tweaking, and it seems like you are tweaking it, so that's cool. I have never used one. And at some point, I probably will. How much do they cost?
0: I believe you can get private e-scooters for four or five hundred dollars, and we've seen a really big uptick in the use of private scooters.
1: See, that would be the, the answer, for, as, far as I'm concerned. You use the bike lanes, you buy your own scooter, you take. It'd be really easy for workplaces to have a room where you take your folded-up scooter put it inside mm-hmm. and not clutter the sidewalk and you wouldn't have to worry if there were one near you when you get out of work. Then you, you bring it home, fold it up, take it in and you use the bike lanes. You mentioned dedicated bike lanes. You are a person that's a bit controversial in your group because you are rooting for dedicated bike lanes and scooter lanes, which would be great for everyone. However, would you? there's a downside.
0: Well, there's limited space on right. the right-of-way. Uh, so usually the the conversation centers around, do you remove on-street parking to create the space? Uh, I know how I feel about the answer to that question, but there are a lot of people that don't want to see on, on-street parking taken away and removed. Um I think there are ways to create more parking just in a different area. Uh, but those are difficult conversations to have because everybody uh, you know, comes at it from their own perspective and it feels like a loss whenever something is taken away.
1: Do you drive a car? I do. All right. So you have to live with the fruits of your labor. You have to navigate bicycles and scooters. Do you worry about hitting a a person on a scooter because they they are kind of hard to see and they are pretty vulnerable out there. And think how your life would change if, even through no fault of yours, you hit someone on a scooter. I heard an anecdote uh, today where someone was on Beacon Street and someone on a scooter was coming the wrong way up the street. And the person looked right, looked left, looked right, did everything correct. But almost hit someone on a scooter, and that would have changed their life in the negative forever. And I know when I drive, that's that's the number one thing that makes me nervous. I'm not real good at the added thing to pay attention to the bike lane and and the, and the folks in that bike lane. You as a motorist, does it affect you, or how does it affect you? And-
0: oh, it absolutely affects motorists. Um, I remember being at a uh, at a conference where a woman said that she really didn't like the fact that her 16-year-old was having to navigate the the introduction of this technology because he was just learning to drive. And so she thought that this was unfair. Driving a vehicle that can kill is a responsibility that we all have to take very seriously. You go through a pretty rigorous license process, but if you think about it, you're— You're tested one time pretty much in your entire life for about a half hour under not even variable conditions. Rain, snow, um, you're usually not even taken on the highway. And there's no continuing education when technology changes, the introduction of these types of modes, or signage changes so for the level of responsibility, I would think that we would need to do more for drivers to make sure that we are paying attention, we're putting our cell phones away.
1: In the, the uh, story that I sh- just told you, though, this person was hyper-focused, doing mm-hmm. everything correctly, mm-hmm. and even in spite of that, the added dimension of the scooter to watch out for I'm I'm not saying that's a reason to, to not have scooters, but it's certainly a factor. Think how, how bad you'd feel. And I would, they're out I, there, out I there would absolutely feel pretty bad. It,
0: it, but
1: when you have cars, it's good to you, know everyone's can, doing the same thing at the same time. You can, you be, can expect what's going to happen, but with the scooters, it adds another dimension. Again, I'm not anti-scooter person. You
0: can be doing everything correctly as a pedestrian yeah. and be almost hit yeah. by cars mm. in crosswalks, at lights.
1: Oh, Drivers come
0: out of nowhere. They well, do unexpected wheel. things. That's my wheelhouse right mm-hmm. there. I'm a
1: big pedestrian. Your constituents, how do they respond to the whole program? How has the feedback been overall?
0: A lot of people do not like the program, <laughs> and they have made their voices well heard. Uh, I'm interested to see whether or not when... The pilot ends on November 15th if we get a sudden awakening by the, I I think it's over 20,000 unique riders who have rented these devices, Mm -hmm. we're well above 150,000 trips, which is quite impressive given that you can only use these devices within the town of Brookline, which is only six miles across. So 150,000 trips in a handful of months, I think there is something going on behavioral-wise. Which was
1: the initial idea? That was the goal.
0: I want to see if the demand was as great as the companies touted. And is it? I believe that the demand is there. Now we need to figure out how does it cohabitate in this environment where we are an age-friendly city. We are pedestrian friendly. How do we incentivize everyone to to make sure that they stay off the sidewalks and they obey the traffic laws?
1: Yeah, that's key, the enforcement. This, the pocketbook, that's the only thing anyone cares about, if it's going to cost them money. Maybe there's a technological solution. Let's take another break and do one more segment here with Heather Hamilton on WBZ. I need to talk to you. What have you two been talking about behind my back? Hey!
0: Oh, actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, soldier. Do you know who's in command here? Yeah. We gotta talk.
1: Well, where can we talk? Over there is a very capable radio. 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 Get me someone on the other end of that radio. Yes, Bradley J. You know. Bradley J. J. talking. Can you hear him talking on your radio. I can hear you. WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ, we're with Heather Hamilton, Brookline Select Board member, talking about not, now not only e scooters, but micro mobility, including bicycles. Unfortunately, Heather, there, a lot of cyclists are scofflaws. I'm not going to, I don't want to be that person that, that old man that says, those guys on bicycles, but there are lots of cyclists, lots, not just a few lots that have chips on their shoulders. They are bitter and they completely ignore the traffic laws. They're on, they're in the road, they're a vehicle, but they ignore the traffic laws. They'll go right through a red light and almost hit me, for example. They will be on the sidewalk, and when we, I would like to talk a little bit more about enforcement, not only of, of the for the bicycles, but for the scooters. Uh, education's nice, it's got no teeth, and it doesn't seem as though there's any enforcement. And for the public to accept this, I think you need some enforcement. Now you have mentioned a thing that I think is potentially fantastic, called citizens brigade they have one i think in dc tell me about the citizens brigade
0: <laughs> so i i believe it's called the citizen enforcement Enfor- f- it sounds, brigade it sounds
1: kind of <laughs> red <laughs> chinese but okay
0: so i would i would you know i follow what's going on nationally on this and dc uh, has done A lot of iterations of their program. They're looking at docked charging stations. But to get at the enforcement issue, we just don't have enough police to be everywhere to enforce every single rule in town. And I I would argue it's not just bicyclists who are getting away with running red lights. I mean, motorists do it too. It, if you know that you can get away with it, you would. It's just harder to get away with it in a big car.
1: And you mentioned during the break that parking violation fees in Brookline are light. <laughs> That's not the word you used.
0: I would say state then, statewide. Okay. In my opinion, they are. They're not light.
1: really a deterrent. It's almost like, well, parking costs this much, and even if I get caught, uh, it's not that much more. So I'll take the chance on taking the. A violation hit
0: yeah yeah when you want to deter something it should be $200 or okay up.
1: so all this could be dealt with by a sort of citizens brigade how would that work
0: I am not exactly sure how it might work in Massachusetts because our laws are different than in Washington DC but from my understanding it's housed in parking enforcement and they go through some sort of process in order to be trained and they must document the infraction, and then it is ultimately reviewed by the police department in order to issue a citation that is usually done through the mail.
1: So a citizen gets some training, a citizen like me, gets some training, maybe get a little badge. I'm serious about this. Some sort of indicator that you are official and you have been trained and you do have the authority to issue some sort of pre-summons and you document somehow the infraction, probably with your phone, and you send it, probably email it, to the authorities and they review it. And if it's in fact found to be a good, a good bust, then a, uh, a citation of some sort will be uh, issued. I think that's great. What's, is there a downside? Have you thought about it?
0: I'm checking to see if it's legal. Well,
1: if they do it in D.C., it's it's legal in D.C., it'd be a state thing, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, we do have different laws. So I I need an attorney to tell me that we have the authority to do that, which I have yet to receive. Did you ask? Yes. And they're looking into it? They're looking into it.
1: What did they initially tell you?
0: They don't really initially say anything. But they
1: say, no way, but, but I'll look into it, or should be no problem, and, I, and I'll look into it.
0: Any good attorney will withhold judgment and say, I need to get the facts first. And it will
1: take me a long time and many billable hours.
0: <laughs> Sometimes.
1: <laughs> we have about four minutes. Anything else? Uh, any um, final thoughts on how the program has gone? Surprises? Changes we haven't sp- spoken about? Sort of? wrap up, if you will.
0: Um, I, I'm still trying to withhold my own judgment. Uh, a lot of people have asked why such a long period of time for a pilot program is seven months, we wanted to be able to, you know make mistakes and learn from them. So we tried to allow for enough time to make improvements and then collect information on those improvements. The other thing that I would like to say is we are uh, going to be rolling out a a user survey to independently verify all of the claims that the companies have made about who their uh, users are and whether or not this is replacing car trips or walking or public transit. So we're going to do our own survey. And I also promised uh, our senior center um, advocates that we will do a non-user survey so that people who do not use these types of devices that call Brookline home, they will get an opportunity to be heard on how this has been impacting them.
1: Yeah, that's very important because you don't want to get your feedback only from pro-scooter people. hmm Excellent. Oh. We
0: have a, a, a listening session on scooter issues at Brookline Town Hall. On Wednesday, October twenty third, at six thirty p.m. For anyone who is listening that might want to come and be heard.
1: Okay, in well, there are about three minutes left. What are other big issues that you have to deal with? I know that education is always a big bone of contention, right? That that takes up a lot of space on your plate.
0: Are you talking about? Like schools in general? Yes. In, in the town? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. What? We've been on the quest to find the unicorn, which is the uh, mm-hmm. a space for a new elementary school for about a decade.
1: And what's the problem? There's is it a NIMBY thing? Is it a. There's no space. There's no space. You're going to build one from scratch or you're going to buy a building?
0: It all depends on oh. whether or not we find space and. Whether or not the voters want to self-impose a tax to generate the kind of revenue that we would need in order to build a hundred million dollar school.
1: Hundred million dollars, wow! Schools are more expensive than they used to be. Yeah. Back to rideshare. Are you thinking of instituting some new rules or restrictions on rideshare? I know how you feel about rideshare. Do you have the power to do that in a town? And would you? Do you? Do you think?
0: I don't think that we have the power to really. Uh, regulate these to the point where it would make any kind of difference. They are regulated by the DPU, the Department of Public Utilities, which is a state agency. Um, The revenue split is, so for every single ride, uh, there's a 20 cent surcharge. 10 cents of that goes to the municipality where the trip generated, and then 10 cents goes to the state.
1: Okay, in the final moments here, I'm going to give you my ultra-radical uh, transportation solution. You ready? I am. Since no one really seems to care about the T, we, we don't care about it enough. Let's just get rid of the T and use the tunnels and the tracks for bicycles, dedicated bicycle lanes and scooter lanes. So you could have bicycles and scooters out of the weather and just get rid of the T. No one seems to care.
0: Oh, see, I moved to Brookline because it had the green line. Yeah. I adore that trolley. And y- you would have to take it away from me. Take it over my, your dead body. Over my cold, dead body. Dead hands. Um, the, right. o- the, other, the other problem with that um, suggestion is that, you know, a, a lot of people will um, contend that, you know, this is ableist, but you're – Saving a spot on the tee for people who cannot use bicycles. Heather Hamilton,
1: thank you very much for coming out late and being honest. WBZ Boston's News Radio.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.